Welcome to the Golf League Podcast. And before I move on, I would just like to say a big thank you to everybody that listened to episode two that was recorded with Mike Carroll. And a big thanks to Mike again for a fantastic episode. Uh, we got some great feedback and I'm looking forward to everyone listening to this next episode coming up, which is episode three uh, with Nick Buchan of Stronger Golf. So in this episode, you'll hear a lot about how Nick likes to design his strength and condition plans, um, how these can then actually improve your golf game. And then a lot of thoughts surrounding in-season and off-season strength programming. So there's some great insights here with a lot of food for thought moments. And I think there's a lot of stuff here for everybody. So yeah, enjoy. So Nick, um, it'd be really good to just for the listeners to hear your background and how you're going to golf strength conditioning. Yeah, okay. Um, so I was a, a golfer back in the day. Um, so I went, I did a degree, uh, AGMS degree at Birmingham University. Um, so I did a degree in golf management. Um, played kind of county stuff and, and reasonable level amateur stuff, I guess. Um, before that, uh, and kind of had a had a little go. Uh, mini tours, a very little short go at playing mini tours and quite quickly found out I wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I kind of, yeah, I, I come from a playing background. Um, like I say, went to uni, did all of the kind of coaching side of things and that was always the plan. Um, started powerlifting at uni somehow um, yeah. and kind of got into the, the, the fitness, the the gym side of things, um, just through that, um, kind of stopped playing completely for well, three, four years, I guess, when I graduated uni, um, ended up with a job in the gym, um, and kind of obviously went down that line, did some S&C qualifications, that kind of stuff, um, and yeah, uh, like I say, didn't really play uh, a heck of a lot and come back to started to come back to golf a little bit. Uh, and I suppose at around the time TPI was just starting to probably become really popular, you know, um, just starting to break through in terms of the average golfer knowing about it. Um, but at the time it was, it was still in a little bit in its infancy in terms of the other tracks I think had just about kind of started to come about, but it was still mainly just level one. Um, and it was, um, still quite, I don't think they'd mind me saying it was kind of quite based in, in kind of Greg and Dave's background. It was quite based in, in kind of physiotherapy and chiropractor in, in that yeah. world. It was all very much movement screens and isolationist kind of corrective exercises. Um, and yeah, really I, that was kind of happening unbeknown to me. I'd start playing a little bit more and I'd kind of realised that uh, I probably, I wasn't the longest hitter in the world. It was probably one of the things that was going to preclude me from playing really good golf. Um, like I say, I hadn't played for four or five years. Um, so there was certainly no technical improvement um, at all in my swing. And uh, all I'd really done is probably trebled my strength levels um, in between those times. And yeah, I probably hit it 40, 50 yards further. Um, like I say, there was no technical improvement there at all. 
Um, so I kind of, yeah, I kind of started thinking, oh, this is quite good. Maybe there's something to this and, and kind of, yeah, started to find some of the TPI stuff and sort of started to think, oh, hang on, this doesn't really, uh, it, at certain points doesn't really obey the kind of tenets of strength conditioning. You know, it doesn't really look at the needs of the sport. It, it, it does to on a kind of movement front, but it's, yeah, it's a very isolated kind of front that we've started to, to look at and, and you can take this a lot wider and, and kind of to a certain extent yeah that you're leaving out the whole organism as it were and you're leaving out the kind of the strength the power the conditioning requirements um of that um so yeah I guess I just started writing uh basic strength and conditioning programs real basic strength and conditioning programs um aimed at golfers and kind of publishing on them online and then uh, the blog started got a couple of articles out on golf works and TPI and things and then people started to come to me kind of asking for online training and things and yeah fast forward a little bit now it's full time um, so train people online and train people offline kind of freelancing between a few gyms around kind of North Kent London area um, so yeah Fast forward, I suppose, and, and here we are. Um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much how I ended up here. Cool. I mean, and like you just said there, so I mean, fast forward on a little bit, you've, you've now got a decent client base, um, and that's both online and offline. So um, it'd be quite interesting to understand a bit around, you know, so I, there's something on your website around designing a winning uh, golf fitness plan. Um, and if for anyone that actually goes to that, I'll put the link to your website in the bio, but um there's there's loads of different concepts to to building that go, uh, winning golf fitness plan so it'd be int- really interesting for you to discuss what you think you know a top level golf fitness program needs basically okay yeah cool um yeah thanks if you link the video uh link the um the website and that'd be great yeah. and yeah obviously that that link will eventually take you through to uh to a video um that is kind of half an hour ish of me um running through kind of concepts that i think are important um to the fitness program um so in that video we will discuss kind of whether you want to work on as an individual whether you want to work on strength and or power um and kind of where so i use the speed strength continuum there so kind of our absolute speed being sprinting maximal strength being powerlifting like deadlift one rm lift the heaviest thing you can possibly pick up um and kind of where do you lie on that continuum um and actually that's gonna tell us a lot about uh, as a strength coach in general anyone working in fitness i would say your job really is just to talk to someone find the gaps in their training or, or whatever they whatever they currently do uh, and find the gaps they have that they need to fill from a physical perspective and then just fill them. So if you have a guy that is really, really good at that max strength end and really bad at the speed end, the, their performance is going to suffer. In, in exactly yeah. same way, the average golfer that comes, particularly in the, on the more elite side of things, is probably quite good at the speed end. They've spent kind of 10 years swinging quite a light thing quite quickly probably yeah. don't have that much background in training um so conversely yeah quite good at the speed end pretty crap at the maximal end in terms of they use the what little strength they have 
well and they apply it quickly, but they don't have that much kind of strength. They don't have that much. Uh, the car analogies always use this. So kind of absolute strength is your is the size of your engine. It's how much grunt you have full stop, and, and then acceleration is uh, is the speed end. But obviously, at a certain point, you have to stop accelerating because you haven't got the, enough, enough engine. You haven't got enough power. Um, you haven't got the engine size to kind of keep going. So um, yeah, though that, there's an interplay there and in kind of deciding where you lie on that continuum you know optimal performance for pretty much any sport is probably going to be somewhere you need to be good across every, every all of those aspects you know you might change a little bit yeah golf is, is more towards the speed end so we might look a little we might bias that a little bit um but but yeah ultimately you've got to be pretty good across all of those um, ends of the spectrum and yeah so we're just looking to kind of fill that gap and that's going to be fairly unique to to the individual um and then we go through some stuff around um conditioning i think in general the average golfer does a pretty poor job of kind of understanding the needs of of the game um in in a conditioning sense um so yeah my we're getting into the realms a little bit of personal opinion there's not a great deal of of research on this um but certainly my interpretation of of the research that does exist is if you look at kind of research that looks at using golf to rehab cardio patients so walking is kind of their first level of rehab so that makes sense you know gets gets yeah. them done gets them playing all right this could be good um if you look at look at that there's a little bit of research there it actually shows that they don't get enough effect from it for it to be good for them you know it's actually not challenging those people from a from a cardiovascular fitness point of view enough for them to to get the effect they need out of it. And these are cardiac outpatients, you know, they're not, they haven't got the highest level of, of cardiovascular fitness to start with. So kind of the average person from a, from a cardiovascular point of view should be fine, but then it shouldn't really need to do a lot of that kind of conditioning. Your conditioning work should really be power endurance based, if any at all, you know? Um, so, yeah, but yeah, you go on into a kind of commercial gym and you'll see golfers and, and they hit the treadmill, you know, kind of like the average general population. It's, it's hours and hours on treadmill on the rower or, yeah. you know, you'll see the meme pop up occasionally of the bloke with his golf bag kind of on his back in the gym walking <laughs> on the treadmill. There's a little bit more sense to that in terms of if you're going to condition for golf, basically you need to be able to walk four miles an hour for four hours. Yeah. Let's go and do that. If you're going to practice doing that, why not just go and play golf? <laughs> That's kind of my opinion on conditioning in a nutshell, um, I guess. Um, yeah, and then we talk a little bit about exercise selection and kind of how we can use good exercise selection to promote good position and then use that to promote good mobility and stability um, in strength training. And we talk about... Um, the need for you to get kind of outside of that sagittal straight up and down plane, you know, golf, golf, like every sport, it, it doesn't happen kind of straight in front of your face. You know, it happens at, golf largely happens to the side of you. You need, you need to rotate, you need to move laterally. Um, uh, and your training is 
got to prepare you for that um, in some way. So, yeah, you've got to find somewhere in that program that isn't just kind of squats and deadlifts. You know, you've got to use those exercises to drive strength improvements. But you've also got to bring those strength improvements across into into planes of motion that are perhaps a little bit more golf specific, you know. Um, So, yeah, I think that's probably my... A real brief kind of yeah. four tenants of, of, yeah, what I would go with as need to be in a golf fitness program. Cool. I mean, so there's obviously there's a lot of things you mentioned there. So um, stuff to the to the club golfer that, you know, they might not really understand, obviously, the, you know, playing the movement and, and stuff like that. So it'd be quite interesting for you to, to touch on why, you know, focusing on these different pillars, we'll call them, of a, of a golf strength conditioning plan, how they sort of A, you know, actually improve a golfer's performance um, and B, how does it actually help reduce, you know, that injury risk, you know, keeps us playing for longer? Okay, cool. Um, so let's deal with the performance side of that first. Yep. Um, so we kind of touched on the car analogy um, before uh, and strength is ultimately your engine, you know, um, and Ultimately, the size and power of that engine is gonna is gonna govern how fast that car goes, and exactly the same thing goes um, for for golfers. Um, there's a there's a there's a study. I think it's two thousand five. Looks at the kind of biomechanics effect, uh, biomechanical effects of clubhead speed. Um, I've got the image that I'm going to talk about. I can give you the link for the yeah. study as well. So maybe you can you can link them in. Um, when it goes up as well but the image I'm going to talk about is uh, it is basically a um, a spider diagram of of kind of every aspect of clubbed speed Um, so there's environmental factors wind um, temperature etc and there's there's kind of club head um, shaft ball all of that all of that stuff Uh, and then this all breaks down and ultimately the lowest three are all physical, their range of motion and speed. Uh, and, well, or force you're applying into the ball. Um, yeah, and, and strength is your ultimate governor of force. You know, you can, you, you can get a bit faster, you can use a better driver, you can get fitted for the club, you can use a different ball, um, you can move somewhere that's at higher sea level and, and eat it further, kind of. Um, but, um, yeah, ultimately it's, it's going to come down to force uh, and force is, is ultimately predicated by you, by your total strength. Um, so as far as strength goes and clubbed speed goes, um, there's a big link there. Um, the kind of caveat to that, and we'll start to move it into, into speed and power, um, is strength in general, maximal strength is, is a relatively slow thing. It takes... It takes a while for you to reach maximal force output. It takes certainly longer than, than the golfing. It takes longer than most sporting movements for you to reach that maximal force output. Um, so, yeah, generating force and, and ultimate strength is one thing, but we need to be able to use that force quickly. And that's yeah. where kind of jumps, medball throws, etc., cetera, um, are, are going to come into that program. Um, yeah, getting you to to utilize the force you can now produce because you've got stronger um 
and get it into the ball quicker. Um, if you kind of don't transfer that along, it, it, you're not going to see kind of the carryover from your increased strength levels um, that that you would like. Um, and then the conditioning side of things from performance is obviously it is interesting and conditioning in golf, like I said, is kind of fairly badly understood, I think, but there's an awful lot that goes on there in terms of mental fatigue and arousal levels and and recovery levels and, and that can kind of, there's a lot of stuff at play there, but ultimately if you've got the ability to kind of to do what I call repeated efforts, so if you can go yeah. and swing 70 times, no worries, you're going to be able to go on the golf course and you're not, there's not going to be any difference in your score. Um, to be honest, that's quite low level. The more important thing for from a repeated effort standpoint in terms of golf swing is golf is a skill game. I need to be able to practice for a long time to yeah. get better. If I'm going to break down because I don't have the conditioning and my swing mechanics are going to degrade after two hours practice a day then I'm going to struggle to get kind of where I want to be. And if certainly if you're looking at the elite performance end of things, um, yeah, you can't, yeah, you need, you need to do a lot of reps to get good at this game basically. Um, and, and conditioning is going to, and the ability to do repeat efforts is going to become a part of that for sure. Um, and that kind of leads on to the injury prevention element as well, which is something that I think to me, is the biggest element um, because, like I say, it's a skill game. My role really as a strength coach is to give you the physical attributes you need as fast as possible and get you in and out the gym as quick as possible and keep you resilient and then you can go and play as much as possible. Uh, if you're injured, you can't you can't play, you can't practice. Um, and as far as injury goes, um, I want two things. I want you to look like you um which by which i mean that if you have a movement imbalance or or if you you move in a certain way i want you to continue to move that way um if you're in pain already yes there might be a reason there might be a movement issue um an asymmetry or whatever that is linked or a weakness that is linked to that pain um, and we, so therefore we might want you to move a bit differently to kind of correct that. But assuming you're not, um, just to, to prevent breakdown, we want you to look like you. So we don't want those asymmetries to get worse. Um, and so that's the kind of movement element of it. Um, and then the second element is I want you to be as strong as possible. Um, so there's, uh, there's a, a, an equation for kind of insult to tissue, uh, injury to tissue, um, and one of the elements to that equation is F, F being force. And the more force you can produce, the less likely you are to get injured, uh, ultimately. we take a couple of steps there uh, forward, but yeah, the less likely yeah. you are to get injured, simply because that repeated stress represents less of your total force output, you know? Um, yeah. It kind of, it's kind of fairly obvious, I think, yeah. that if something if you're if you're lifting at max capacity, that's more dangerous than lifting at ten percent, uh, and and that kind of travels all the way down, even even into into a golf swing. If that activity is represents less of your maximal strength capabilities, 
you're going to be able to repeat that and cause kind of less issues uh, to your tissue um, as you go on. Um, so yeah, as far as the injury prevention side goes, they're my, they're my two things. I want you to, to move how you do. I don't want that to get worse. And I want you to be as strong as possible. Yeah. Um, just, it, it's not necessarily going on topic, but you just, you just mentioned there about the conditioning side and there's not much research around it. Um, do, do you think, you know, I, it, by the sounds of it, you know, you're quite interested in the research side of it as well and evidence-based practice. Do yeah. you think there's a lot of room for improvement re- within the golf-specific uh, research? Research generally or kind of conditioning? Um, I, I, well, I'll have a look at both. So conditioning, well, strength conditioning as a whole for golf, do you think okay. compared to, especially compared to other sports, do you think there's a lot oh, of room for improvement? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're a long way behind it. I mean, ultimately... If you if you kind of say the most similar sport to us is baseball, they're probably ten, fifteen at least years ahead in terms yeah. of a body of research. Um, I think I think from from a kind of strength and power element, there are there are things about the biomechanics of the swing that we perhaps don't understand. And I think uh, and yes, there's a lot of research that can be done. There's a lot that is being done. Um, as well, I don't, without kind of, without annoying anyone, um, I, I don't know how much that research will actually impact what I do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. It might, I'll probably say it to someone, and it's kind of useful for 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 best practice and for establishing a why to, to a golfer. Um, but I don't know that, I think from a strength and power point of view, I wouldn't think that those best practices will change all that much. Yeah. I think from a uh, from the standpoint of kind of changing what I do day to day, I think there's two things we don't understand. One is conditioning, and one okay, what is is fatigue in the in the golf in in tournament golf or in a round of golf is fatigue standing fatigue that you get kind of in line workers that's quite well documented just kind of standing in a line all day standing in a queue doing the same thing that tends to kind of irritate people in terms of backs and and things like is it a mental fatigue um is it how much how much of a role does dehydration nutrition and that kind of stuff like we don't really i don't think understand that um that well uh, and the other big element I would say is how do we periodize a program? I'm talking elite here, but how do we yeah. periodize a program for a PJ Tour player? Um, in terms of, there's a lot of evidence on the team sport front and then kind of how to do that. Uh, there's obviously an awful lot of evidence and material written on how do you periodize for that one event be it world champs every year or the Olympics every four years or whatever. But periodizing for an individual sport over such a long period of time, it's very unusual. And therefore there isn't much along those lines. Um, So whilst I'm a big proponent of, of golfers lifting, and like I say, I want you to be as strong as possible because I think that's a massive part of preventing injury. Um, 
I still think, even though we're doing the best we can, when you are periodizing for a player and when you are kind of selecting sets, reps and loads and things like that, you are you're kind of making your best guess at that point. You know, um, yeah. you're not just following a a research backed best practice. You're and so ten years time that might exist, and you might find that we are doing some some slightly different things around managing load and volume. Um, and you might see because of that that injury rates have come down even further um, for for those elite guys. Yeah. Uh, that that would be the biggest one for me. Um, I would like to see kind of more research put into what should it, essentially what should an in-season program look like um, for yeah. for a full prior across a long season. You know. Yeah, and I mean, and touching on that, I mean, talk about periodization and and what should an in-season program look like. I mean, you know, golf ideally is is a sport weather dependent that we play all year round. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. the season does run most of the time, January through to December. Um, so, you know, how how should we actually structure structure our training, and how do you go about that within your programming? Yeah, I think kind of the I think the first thing to say about in season is is train. Um, don't kind of, especially if the season is going to be that long, you don't have time to build your strength level and lose it all. You know, you've yeah. got to. Um, you've got to do something to maintain that strength level. Um, so the next point on from train is you've got to train with some intensity. You know, I think I think a lot of golfers, probably amateur and pro, are kind of guilty of well, I'll train in the off season. I'll lift weights a little bit. I'll get stronger, and then I'll either stop or once you kind of convince them to not stop um, <laughs> in season, it's kind of okay. Well, I don't want to get injured, and I don't want to push it, and so it's. It's very kind of, you go back to almost the bad old days of, of lightweight, high rep, toning yeah. workouts, whatever that is. Um, and you kind of, yeah, you go you go down those lines. Um, so one is training and two is you still got to train heavy. Because um, uh, ultimately the only reason we're training is to maintain strength and you're not yeah. going to maintain strength doing that kind of lightweight, high rep stuff. Um, so then it becomes, okay, what can you do? You know, what can you get away with? In-season is always this balance between fatigue and maintenance or fitness. You know, I, I like that. Uh, I think it's a Mark Ripetoe quote, that kind of fatigue masks fitness. Um, and we're always walking that tightrope. You know, we want performance tomorrow but we need to do enough work so we have performance next week, next month, whatever, as well. Um, and, yeah, obviously, if, if you kind of beast yourself in the gym, performance tomorrow is going to suffer. Um, and then if you, you don't train or, or don't really push yourself for a considerable period of time, then performance next month probably suffers because your strength levels decline. Or if not next month, the month after, the month after, kind of thing. Um, so it's about finding that that line um periodization for a for a tour pro or someone or senior golfer someone that's retired and playing a lot yeah it's tough basically um you just kind of got to go uh it's all a bit on the fly and you just go okay right let's use the time all right you're not playing for a little bit cool all right 
you missed the cut. Sweet. Okay, that's the time. You missed the cut. Bad, but excellent. We can do some strength work now, you know. Yeah. It gives us an extra couple of days. You know, you just got to almost take your opportunities um, to get that work in. Um, the other part of that is you've got to convince them not to be afraid. There is no real reason um, why people can't lift on the day of a game or on day after, day before, um, or even lift lift afterwards. You know, if you've got the energy levels there, that's fine. Um, there isn't any real reason. The number one reason you will get, and the number one complaint you'll get is, I don't want to be sore. And actually, there's so much we can do to have that not happen and still maintain strength. Um, so to go through a kind of quick pre-actionable list, if we keep the volume low, if we keep the exercise variety low, and if we keep the eccentric stress pretty low or as low as possible, then we're going to do as much as possible to make you not really have any effect in terms of in terms of soreness um so there's loads of ways we, we can kind of do that but yeah if we can keep those sessions short uh keep them heavy but keep the the, the sets and reps real low um we'll, we'll do well in general and that's kind of the makeup of, of in-season training typically um and if i just quickly explain the kind of eccentric reducing eccentric stress part of that um, so the, the eccentric is, is the lowering portion of, of the lift, basically. Um, so when you unrack a squat, it's, it's going down into that squat position. Deadlift is lowering the bar back down to the floor. Bench press is lowering the bar to your chest, etc. Um, that's the portion of, of the lift where most of the muscle damage occurs. Um, that's why bodybuilders do extended eccentrics. Uh, negative reps and stuff like that is to make that eccentric as uh, as long as possible creates more muscle growth basically creates more damage creates more muscle growth um so it's taxes recovery and it's relatively speaking and it's relatively and it creates more of a more soreness typically um so therefore what we want to do is remove the eccentric as much as possible and focus on the concentric focus on the lifting portion you know um that's what's going to maintain our strength levels without kind of dipping into recovery too much um so kind of some quick examples of that the easiest thing is sled work um sled work is awesome um because if you imagine if i push that that sled forwards um when i put my foot down into the ground and push it forwards that's the concentric action that's loaded. I've got all the way at the sled. When I bring, I then take my leg off the ground and take a step forward. That would be the eccentric. That's the lowering portion of the squat normally. Um, but that eccentric is unloaded. You know, the weight doesn't move. I'm not pushing against it. So now I've got an exercise that is a hundred percent kind of concentric, uh, load. Um, in, in a more typical setting, uh, so if you haven't got a sled to push around <laughs> and you're in a commercial gym, step-ups is the most obvious kind of, or again, creating that that effect. There's more of an, uh, of an eccentric in the step-up. You still have to control that, that portion down. Um, but it's it's relatively short. The time under tension is short. And um, yeah, and most of the focus is on that concentric lift. If you've got platforms, um, Olympic lifting platforms in your gym um, and they don't, mind too much <laughs> you can drop uh you can drop the bar uh from 
So now you're just getting the concentric portion, you lift it up to your waist, drop butter. Um, yeah, don't do that in a commercial gym if you haven't got a platform because they will throw you out immediately. Um, but yeah, there's lots of kind of, it just gives you some examples of, of tweaks that you can kind of make to, to your exercise or your exercise selection to reduce the eccentric stress or reduce the time under tension and kind of, um, and give you, yeah, give you a, a, a better chance of maintaining strength without any of those fatigue elements that will ultimately mask your performance. Yeah, yeah, and, and touching on that as well, I mean, you mentioned obviously, um, I picked up about, you know, miscut, you know, that's an opportunity then to then, you know, get some time in the gym. Um, and I was, I was a strength and conditioning intern for a while in cricket and, you know, the game okay. played over four days. You know, if a batter was out, first ball, you know, second over, it would be right. That's you for the day. Go and get some gym. So there's, you know, some similarities there between yeah. other other professional sports that I think we can take away. Um, and then, you know, that that was a bit on in season. I mean, you don't have to go in some that much detail. It's up to you. But how important then would you put, you know, the the out of season strength strength plan? You know, how important is that for the golfer, and and how much attention should a club golfer pay to that? Yeah, I mean, so club is a little bit different potentially because their season, particularly if you're talking in in the UK, their season's probably a little bit shorter. Um, so we've then got a bit more time, you know. Um, but yeah, off season is really kind of we'll test, we'll assess, um, and then we'll have an idea of okay, where do we want this person to be? Um, some of that is going to be technical. Um, so it's going to be done in, in conjunction with, with, with a fair few other people. Um, but yeah, if you've got some technical goals you want to hit, we're going to work out how we can support those, those goals in, in SNC. Uh, and then if you kind of move that to, to the more physical side of things, we will have some standards that we want you to hit. And let's say you hit them when you kind of went away for, for last season. Um, so we're going to want you to get back to that. Um, and it's, it's really kind of all reverse engineered. You know, it's, we have, a, we have a start date. We have a point you want, we want you to be at on that date. And then we just reverse engineer back kind of depending on how long we have. Um, but yeah, I think so for the amateur golfer, you might have a little bit longer and therefore, that training might not be as rushed and it might be a little bit more balanced. Um, you never know. Um, but as far as kind of how you structure that, um, typically we will do, um, blocks where we're, we're looking at that first block is a little bit more individual, but it will kind of, it could be called recovery. It could be called movement. It could be called conditioning kind of depending on, on what the athlete presents at that stage um but i think that's a little bit more of your general training you know it's it's just getting them in the gym um the loads might not be super heavy it's kind of repairing some of those movement patterns that might you know all that eccentric stress from the golf swing is going to have have made it had an impact on kind of uh, ranges of motion at certain joints and, and obviously it's an asymmetrical movement and that's going to have had an impact as well and it's kind of getting in and undoing some of that 
and moving like a kind of general human being for a, for a little while. Uh, and then we'll kind of we'll switch that up and go um, what Mike Robertson kind of refers to as, as building the beast. We go a bit more sports specific, you know, and we start, okay, strength, power in the planes that we need it, you know. Um, so we'll kind of break up off-season training into that general physical I guess and then and then specific physical requirement um element um and within that you'll probably have a, a movement or a strength and power phase for kind of each of them maybe yeah. um depends on on the athlete you know if it's if it's someone with a reasonable strength level anyway the general stuff might cover the strength completely and you don't really work on that and the specific stuff becomes becomes power based you know um but yeah so it is quite individual i i guess but in, in how you would program for for an off season but in general you're gonna you're you're gonna work on on kind of movement strength power take it yeah. through like that and kind of aim to peak like i say reverse engineer from this is where i want to be at this date you know um yeah and i think i, I like there's a, a concept um, Dan John has, which is um, park bench and bus bench workouts, um, which basically says you're going to have, there are workouts where you're like sitting at a park bench and you know, you're just happy to kind of sit there. It doesn't matter. Uh, you don't kind of need to go anywhere. You're, you're just going through that workout, you know? Um and there, and then there are bus bench workouts, and you're sitting waiting for the bus. You know, you've got somewhere to be, and you want to get there. Um, and off season and in season is kind of is, is very much like that to me. I think that explains it really well. I think, yeah. uh, and explains it in a way that hopefully, kind of the average amateur can get around it, get their head around it. Is off season is that bus bench? You know, we're going to set where we want to be, and we're going to push to get there. Uh, in season is probably best served being that park bench we want to maintain we want to go through some some patterns and we want to be a functional human being still i want you to look like you all the time throughout that season i don't want asymmetries to get worse and i want you to maintain strength um but yeah it's probably not the time to be kind of forcing through whatever kind of 12 week program uh it might be you know yeah yeah cool Nick, I, I mean, there's been some fantastic insights there. Um, really, really good. And I think that a lot of golfers and coaches as well are, are going to be able to take a lot from that. So thank you. Um, just to finish up with just a few sort of easier going questions uh, that, I've been, that I've asked a bunch of coaches and I've been getting some interesting answers. So uh, first question I've asked this to everyone. So one famous person, dead or alive, you would like to play 18 holes with? Ooh. Uh, don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I would probably, I'd go someone, yeah, I'd go someone, <laughs> someone kind of 56. I'm thinking Sinatra, you know, I think he's got some good stories. Yes. I think that would be, uh, yeah. I think, and, yeah, um, entertaining. Yeah, cool. Um, and then also, uh, your favourite golf course you would like to play that you haven't anywhere in the world? Uh, I've not played Pebble Beach. It looks pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, challenging and nice. Um, yeah, and then to finish off with, because you've given some fantastic insights then, and like you said, you you do offer online coaching. So for the people listening, where can where can they find you on websites and social media? 
All right, cool. Uh, so, yeah, website is uh, www.strongergolf.co.uk. Um, yeah, head over there. There's um, there's a pretty decent amount of articles um, on there. You can sign up and get um, get that free video that we talked about in, earlier in terms of how to design uh, an SNC program for golf. Um, and yeah, there's a tab on there for for online coaching um, and personal training. Uh, if you're kind of around <laughs> around London yeah. area, um, yeah. There, so yeah, check check that out. There's there's loads, like I said, there's loads of blogs on there as well, and that's all free. So there's a, there's a lot of good information on there as well. Hopefully, anyway. Um, and yeah, and then social um, Instagram, Facebook is Stronger Golf. Um, should be pretty easy to find. Post on there. Post on both of them most days. Uh, Twitter is stronger underscore golf. Someone had already taken stronger <laughs> golf, um, so that sucked. Um, but but yeah, Twitter's probably my main social network. There's uh, there's a heck of a lot now. I post on there kind of three, four, five, six, seven times a day sometimes. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a fair amount of good stuff on on there. Hopefully, and that's probably the place I'll I'll get back to you quickest. Anyway, yeah. um, you got any questions and things like that? Um, so yeah, yeah, no, that'd be cool. Anyone check them out? Feel free. Yeah, and for, and for everyone listening, um, I will put all the links to that in the bio as well, so you'll be able to just click on them and go straight across. So, Nick, thank you for your time. Uh, that was fantastic and some great insights. Uh, thank you. And we'll, yeah. uh, we'll we'll have to do something again soon. Yeah, definitely. Look Good forward enough. to it. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye.